I want you to talk to you today, titled the message, Branded as Blessed. Branded as Blessed. And I'll, in a moment, I'll get to where that title comes from. We're going to be reading in just a moment from Numbers chapter 6. And so I'll give you a moment to get there. Those of you still using Bibles, some of your pages may be stuck together over in that part of your Bible. So you may want to unstick them so you can read them easily enough. But uh, in my so for a number of years, I had the privilege of serving churches uh, mostly as a lead pastor. In a couple of cases, I served on larger church staffs um, and some other assignments over the years. But it seemed like, uh, in spite of my uh, best intentions and my best plans for myself, the ministry the Lord gave me as a pastor involved lots of remodeling of church life. Lots of new starts, and at least three times in my life I've pastored churches that have recently changed their name. And I can tell you some of those stories, but one of the early lessons I learned, uh, someone that was speaking in a conference I attended said that uh, on the back wall of their church they had hung a big banner that said, Constant Change is Here to Stay. And uh, the sooner you get comfortable with that, the happier you'll be, right? But uh, there really is something significant about the fact that you are moving into your future with a new name. And as I was praying for you along those lines, I felt like the Lord breathed something fresh on a very familiar passage of Scripture that I'm going to read to you and speak to you from. Uh When we think of the term branding, uh, most of us, the first thing we think about has to do with the world of commerce, right? Uh, Branding has kind of come a catchword, but it really comes from the world of commerce, right? Uh, If I'm trying to sell you something, I put a brand on it, I identify it, I want you, and then that's kind of gone into the whole realm of marketing and PR and all the rest. But let's be honest, we're here in West Texas. We know what branding is, right? We know what that metaphor it refers to. It refers to uh, putting your stamp of ownership and value on livestock, right? Well, I'm here to tell you today that according to the Word of God, you can live as a person branded as blessed, And I want to tell you today that it's a whole lot better to live life knowing you're blessed than hoping you're blessed. It's a lot better living life knowing you're blessed than trying to get blessed. Those are two different ways to live. And the former is the better. And I want you to see from God's Word today that it has always been in the heart of our Father to grant blessing as a given in the lives of His people. It has never been His heart to make you jump through hoops for blessing. It has never been in His heart for you to wonder whether you are blessed. It has always been in his heart. And when we go back 
near the very beginning of the story of God's covenantal relationship with His people in the Old Testament. We're going to read what for most of you will be a very common passage of Scripture. You've heard it. You've heard it sung. You may even have memorized it or quoted it. But I want you to look at it with me in a different way. Because listen, there's a whole lot of confusion about what it means to be blessed. And there's a whole lot of confusion about how you get blessed. And we'd like God's Word to remove that confusion today so that we can live as people who know, not hope, not wish, not strive, know we are blessed. So we're about to read a very short passage in uh, the book of Numbers. As you probably know, the book of Numbers is sort of a... uh, it's sort of a staging book. It is a, it, it, it's mostly a book about the wilderness, the 40 years of wilderness wandering of God's people. They've been delivered from bondage after years of exile in Egypt. They have been claimed by Yahweh as His people and He has revealed Himself to them. He's given them His law, His instructions. He's given them His sacrificial system to cover their failures, and he has uh, dealt with, does deal with, their rebellion in the steadfastness that we just sang about. And near the very beginning of this book, after he has laid out uh, instructions, or really a summary of the instructions from Leviticus, of how sacrifices are going to work in God's plan, he then calls our attention once again to uh, two important offices. He speaks to Moses about Aaron. Okay? So we're kind of coming in on the middle of of a moment here. So Moses represents the prophetic office and Aaron represents the priestly office. Okay? So I want you to track that with me. Uh, And we're going to begin reading with verse 22 and read through verse 27. The Lord spoke to Moses... Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. You should say to them, and then he gives them verbatim the blessing there to speak. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you. And give you peace. And now God resumes uh, speaking to Moses in verse 27. In this way, they, the priests, will pronounce my name, the name of Yahweh, the Lord, over the Israelites. And what? I will bless them. Now focus with me for a moment on verse 27 because I want you to see a very important connection. God is the blesser, right? The priests speak for God, but God is the blesser. And there is a connection here between the blessing of God and the name of God. Did you see that? The the version I'm reading says, they, the priests, will pronounce my name over the Israelites. Um, a, a more literal translation of that, and some of yours will have this, 
I will set my name on them or I will put my name on them. And when you put it that way, it sounds like branding, doesn't it? I got to tell you a quick story. My father-in-law, wonderful guy. I've probably told you father-in-law stories before because he's just. See, I have a theory that God entrusts certain experiences to people he knows will tell the story well. And my father-in-law is one of those people. He's, uh, is hell starting to fail a little bit now, but he, he's just always been, uh, he's always up for whatever's new and whatever's next, right? So he is a native of Queens, New York. Uh, he has lived in the deep south most of his adult life, but you can't tell it. He still talks like a New Yorker. He's uh, 84 years old. But anyway, years ago, I was pastoring uh, a church. I was uh, it's a church I started pastoring before I even finished seminary in Munster, Texas. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Munster, right on the Red River. And um, they were visiting from Huntsville, Alabama, where my in-laws live, Joy's hometown. So uh, my father-in-law was there, and he is not one to do nothing. He's going to do something. And so uh, he was in uh, an area. He had really never been in a town like Munster where ranching and stuff like that was a big deal. And so one of the guys in our church had uh, was speaking to him, and he asked what you know my guy did, and he said, well, I do a little bit of everything, including some ranching. Well, that very week, he had some cattle that needed to be immunized and branded. My father-in-law said, I've never done that. I've never seen that. Can, can I do that? So we show up. My father-in-law, dressed for the day in his wingtips, <laughs> his slacks, and because he, he traveled all over the world doing missions, he thought the most appropriate thing he had to wear was his Gaiabella. So, so he was dressed for the occasion. But man, he looked like the city slicker of all city slickers. But the one thing he was absolutely insistent that, and of course he had just, you know, except in movies, except in westerns, he had no idea what, what we were doing out there. And, um, and he had to get a picture of him in his wingtips holding the iron. Oh, you're right. Uh, and it's one of his proud possessions. Uh, uh, city slicker gone to, to, that was the only time he picked anything up, but he got the picture of the one time he did it. Because now you can tell the story, right? And who knows how big that story is now uh, <laughs> by the time. But uh, why do ranchers brand cattle? Well, first of all, because they value them and because they claim them, right? Why would God set his name on a people? Why would God do that? Because he values you. He values you and he claims you. And having valued you and claimed you, he intends to bless you. Now, people can have other motivations for branding you. And we'll talk about that in a moment. There's more than one entity in your life hoping to brand you. There is a battle for who gets to brand you. And God's Word tells you, you are well and duly branded. 
No one else has the right to brand you. No one else has the authority to brand you. Because Jesus, God through Christ, has claimed you and made you His own. Now I want you to walk with me now through what God means when He says, I will bless them. To understand blessings in the Old Testament, you have to understand that a, a blessing is more than a, 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 it's more than wishing someone well. It is a prophetic, performative word. The speaking enacts the thing spoken. Does that make sense? And that's what's going on here. So you have a prophet speaking to a priest from God telling the priest how to set his name on the people so that God may bless them. So when we look at the blessing itself, we find out what God means by blessing. Look at me with it. Look with me at it briefly. May the Lord bless you and protect you. How many of you agree protection is blessing? Okay? So you're branded, which means... God knows His own and He keeps those who belong to Him. Verse 25, May the Lord make His face shine on you. Now those of us who've been around a church and may be familiar with that, fa- uh, that phrase, but in the Old Testament, the idea of face is the idea of presence. Okay? It's actually the, the Hebrew word for face is often translated presence in the Old Testament, in our English translations. So here's the picture. A radiant presence of God. May His presence shine toward you. Which means what? It's not a presence that is withdrawn. It's not a presence that is shy. It's not a presence that is reticent. It is a presence that is radiant. The blessing God has given you in His name is that His face shines toward you. You understand the whole plan God set up in the Old Testament was so that He could dwell with His people. He had people who were rebelling in the valley while He was giving them His law on the mountain. There was no way He could dwell with those people unless He made provision for His people. Why did He make provision for His people? So He could dwell with us and so that His presence could radiate toward us instead of being reticent toward us. Yes? It is a blessing that God freely offers us His presence. May Yahweh the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you those two things are related be gracious look with favor this is a matter of status right this is a matter of how god regards you now it'd be one thing to be in god's presence and for him to regard you judgmentally but to be in his presence and to have him regard you favorably is the blessing You see how this thing is just snowballing on us here? And give you peace. Shalom. It's a word that sort of represents 
the big banner end game of everything God wants for His people and for His creation. It's when everything is right by God's definition of right. Okay? So that is the blessing He wants you to live in. And in order for you to live in it, He sets His name on you. If His name is set on you, you are blessed. How many more different ways do I need to say it? I'm going to keep saying it until you look excited. Because listen, blessing, as Katie exhorted us earlier and reminded us, blessing is not about how well you're doing. Blessing is not how your progress is coming. Blessing is certainly not how you compare with other folks. Blessing is, listen, you can't brand yourself and you can't bless yourself. (laughs) Okay? You can't apply a brand to yourself. And you can't bless yourself. A blessing comes from a superior to an inferior. (laughs) Or someone who has to someone who doesn't. Right? So we live in a culture that encourage us, encourages us both to brand ourselves, in other words, decide independently what our identity is, which is sheer foolishness. I mean, it, it's completely gone to seed in our culture, but it's been deeply rooted for generations. That we are who we say we are. We reinvent ourselves. You, you didn't invent yourself in the first place can't reinvent yourself you can't brand yourself and you can't bless yourself if someone is not willing to brand you you won't be branded and if someone good isn't the one to brand you you won't be blessed but this blessing says if the name of Yahweh is set on you you are blessed now I want you to walk back with me through what we've just read and I want you to think what this is pointing toward By prophetic word, God speaks through His prophet to His priest. Now in the Old Covenant, priests had a Godward responsibility and a manward responsibility. Toward God, they offered sacrifices, right? So if you had a sacrifice to offer of any kind, for any purpose, you brought it to a priest... And he took it from you and then he turned Godward and offered it to God. But that priest also had a manward responsibility. You know what his manward responsibility was? To bless. Having offered the sacrifice, he spoke the blessing to those for whom the sacrifice had been effective. Anybody Anybody know where we're going here? Who is our better Moses? Our better prophet? With a better covenant? Who is our better priest? Who is himself the sacrifice he has offered? He has offered the sacrifice so that he may speak the blessing. So that His name may be your brand. And you are blessed. 
And what I want to tell you today is that in the years to come, North Ridge Life Church is going to mean something in this community. But your temptation will be to live for the brand of your church instead of living for the brand of your Lord. We live in a marketing-obsessed culture. And our church life is driven by fighting for market share. There's a subset of people in Lubbock willing to go to a church on Sunday morning and we're trying to get our piece of that pie. All right? I mean, a lot of our efforts are driven that direction. And I'm here to tell you, uh uh-uh. Ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) Including your city. Your city is not seeing the glory of God while churches fight for market share. Your city sees the glory of God when those who bear the name of Jesus represent Jesus and based on organic relationship and the wind of the Spirit who blows where He will, He puts people where they belong in families. He sets the lonely in families. Agreed? And there are people in this city who need the family called Northridge. And and that's not unimportant, but it's not why you exist. You exist to represent Jesus because you bear His name. Lead with Jesus. Lead with your prophet. Lead with your priest. Lead with your sacrifice. Lead with the blessing of belonging to Him and His radiant presence with you and His intent to do you good. He is so intent to do you good that He gave Himself to you in Christ Jesus. You are living in a context where lots of people would love to put their brand on you. Our recent observance and celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is a great time to remind ourselves that not only in history, but even in the present time, (laughs) there are nefarious uses of branding. There are people... And there are powers that brand you to enslave you and to oppress you. They put their brand on you not to do you good, but to use you or destroy you. And that kind of branding is demonic in every form it takes. That kind of branding is demonic when it's racial. It's demonic when it's economic. It's demonic when it's national. It's it's demonic when it's political. It's demonic in every form it takes. And uh, if you're not aware of how, how... Listen, you have no idea how many billions of dollars are spent trying to brand you. I was teasing my hosts, the Edwards, about my uh, half-humorous disdain for Apple product lemmings. 
But I trust we are all aware how branded we are in this economy. From the car you drive. I heard some political consultant saying the other day, we've heard all this stuff about data being gathered online. And I heard some people say, if, if uh, marketers have about five pieces of information about you, they know all they need to know for where they want to spend their money to get you to buy their stuff or get you to vote for their candidate. And you know what one of the top five is? Which car you drive. Marketers have so successfully tied our identity to our vehicles that we are branded by what we drive. <laughs> that's not right, saints. We, and that's just one example of the kind of manipulation that people and powers and influences. I'm here to tell you that when you are branded by the name of Jesus, no other brand will take. No other brand can identify you. No other brand can oppress or enslave or manipulate you. And if you are oppressed, enslaved, or manipulated, it's because you have believed the lie of someone else's agenda for you. And here's what, here's what happens in order to do that. In order to receive someone else's brand, you have to believe that you are less than blessed. <laughs> because in order to brand you, somebody has to promise you something you don't believe you already have. Now, I'm not much of a fisherman. I've never really gotten into fishing because my problem is I don't like to fish. <laughs> the few times I've done it, I learned I like to catch. I don't like to fish. And the ratio of catching to fishing just never kept me engaged. But I know if you're fishing with bait, the one fish you can't catch is the one who just ate. Am I right? Don't have to know a whole lot about it. Don't try, don't fish where they just ate. Do you understand that everybody and everything that wants to brand you is counting on you being hungry for what they offer? And if you are not satisfied with the blessing given you by bearing the name of Christ, you are a sucker for somebody else's brand. So, just a few things about what it looks like to live blessed. Thankfully, uh, David already preached one of my points. Listen, when you live blessed, you live generous. When you know you have more than enough, your question is not, will I give? Your question is, where do I give? And what do I give? Your default setting is, I have more than I need. Who needs what I have? Yes? Because if you're wealthy, you get to be generous. And if you perceive yourself as poor, no matter how much you've got, you'll never be generous. You with me? So, I won't re-preach it. Just remember what David said. He was right. But that also includes, that, gener that generosity includes not only material things, which, by the way, are actually an excellent start. I'll say that for another sermon. But it also includes inclusion. 
Generosity includes the who of your life, not just the what of your life. It includes who's welcome at your table. Because the living in blessing means living at a big table. Because you're there as a guest. Yes? And the table you're invited to is a table always with room for more. So we are generous with what we have and we're inclusive in who gets to do it with us. There is no need to be stingy with what God has given freely. His presence, His favor, His protection. Anybody you know can be included. So generosity and inclusion go together, don't they? So living as blessed people means you quit living out of scarcity and you start living out of abundance. And you quit living... um, uh, you, you quit living, you, okay, so related to that, secondly, you quit living in fear and you start living in confidence. Because you don't have to know how God is going to do it if you know that God is going to do it. Unless you have an idolatrous control issue. If you have to know how to trust God, you're not trusting God. He doesn't owe you an explanation. He doesn't owe you a timeline. He's given you His blessing. And if you are representing Him, you can count on Him. Listen, everything God sent you to do, God provides for you to get done. It's really a very simple way to live. If you're blessed, I've always wanted to be one of those people who didn't need to balance the checkbook every every month. There are people like that, you know? They just, yeah, it's not going to matter. I've never really been one of those guys. But in life, I can be. I don't have to balance it up. It's not my job to balance it up. I am blessed and I have more than enough not only to give what I have or to include whoever I can. I have more than enough to do what God gave me to do. <laughs> He'll see to it. Yes? He'll see to it. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a corporate testimony here. God has done that for you. And it ought to be part of your DNA as a congregation to say, God's proven himself time and again in your family. Listen, parents, if you aren't telling your kids stories about his provision, stories about his blessing, stories about his favor, you're doing it wrong. They need your stories along with the Bible stories. Okay? I'll be real brief with this to close out. But I want to, I want to tell you some of the, um, how this works out in real life. Um, my dad left the pastorate after about 20 years of pastoring churches, and he went into itinerant ministry with a fledgling ministry that was just starting out, and his boss was a 20-year-old kid. Okay? My dad in his mid-30s. And for the first time in his adult life, my dad needed to buy a house. He had always um, he had always had a church-owned home to live in. So here he's got four kids, and for the first time in his adult life, he's trying to buy a house. And he goes out, he and my mom go out looking for a house. Well, all I knew is we moved. I'm five years old. 
what do you know when you're five, right? Got a new bedroom. So we move. But when I'm a little older than five, probably eight, nine, ten years old, my parents tell us the story that they'd been out looking for homes, none of which they could get a loan for. None of which they could get a loan for. He didn't have the credit history to get a loan. He didn't have any history at his age. Of course, this is in 1966. Credit didn't used to be as easy as it is now, by the way, for some of you younger. So anyway, we hear the story later on. The reason I had a home to live in from the time I was five to the time I graduated high school and my parents lived in it about 12 years after that is that the, the, uh, the, um, the builder of that home in this new neighborhood was a uh, believer, the Church of the Nazarene, who heard my dad's story and went to the bank and co-signed the loan. What do you think that did for my feelings about my house? Now, I didn't understand co-signing. That's not the language they used. My dad just said, we wouldn't have this house if it weren't for he told me his name. Isn't that wonderful? There was another time, my dad, after all those years of pastoring, he was a great, effective soul winner. remember one night, just sitting around the house, somebody comes to our front door and nobody ever came to our front door, right? So it's usually a salesman. But this time it wasn't. It was a man that my dad hadn't seen in years and I had never seen who found us and had uh, found my dad's address, knocked on the door and said, do you remember me? My dad said, of course I remember you. His name was Reuben. And uh, he said, I just had to find you and thank you again for telling me about Jesus. And here was a man who had been an alcoholic, who had lost his family, lost his job, and the Lord had restored it all. And as a 12, 13-year-old boy, I learned a definition of wealth and blessing because somebody told me that story. When, when the man left the house, I said, Dad, who was that man? And he didn't just tell me his name. He told me the story. Saints, listen. We have a story to tell of what it means to bear the name of Christ and to be. Listen, here's what the Word of God says. Ephesians 1. We are blessed with every blessing, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing, which I believe should be interpreted as every blessing the Holy Spirit can deliver. It's not an ethereal thing. It is a personal thing. That Jesus has made it ours. The Spirit is the delivery system. He is the deliverer of all the blessing Jesus has made ours. We are blessed. And what I want for you as a church and what I want for you as a family and what I want for you as an individual is to completely reject everything in your heart that feels poor and that feels lacking and that feels deprived and that feels abandoned and that feels unclaimed. Because you are claimed, you are branded, and you are blessed in Christ Jesus.
And when the apostles went out and said to that man lame at the entrance to the temple, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you. Peter wasn't saying, well, what little I got. No, no, no. He's saying, what I got is what you need. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. People who poor mouths don't live that way. People who feel deprived don't live that way. People who insult God by denigrating His blessing don't live that way. If that's your heart, if that's been your, if that's been your mode of operation, I invite you now in the name of Jesus, stop it. Because it's not so. Unless today you need to join us in making Jesus your Savior and Lord. And there's no reason to leave here without doing that. The table is big. The blessing is vast. And His heart is good. He wants to include you. And it's our privilege to invite you in His name. To trust Him as we have. And to set aside the life you think is a winner, but is a loser. And let Him give you life indeed. Amen? Let me pray with you. Will you bow your heads? Lord, I come to You today with great gratitude. Lord, I know I, I pray. I know what I'm saying is expressing the hearts of many people here before me. Lord, I ask You in Jesus' name. Will You set us free from the lies we've believed and from the oppression we've endured and from the manipulation we've... Uh, <laughs> Lord, it's exhausting to run from manipulators. Will You just set us free to stand with Your brand and bear the name of Jesus, but not in vain? Lord, will You give us grace to just start with whom we know. The Apostle said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep what we have committed to Him until that final day. Lord, that's the name we bear. That's the name we trust. That's the blessing we exult in. Lord, we boast in You. Jesus, You are our cornerstone. Father, You are our steadfast rock. Holy Spirit, You are the One who delivers everything Jesus has secured and the Father has proposed. We delight in You. And Lord, we ask You to uproot the terrible habits of heart and mind and mouth that think and act and speak ill of Your abundance in our life. Lord, I ask You for this church corporately that wherever they go in this city and in this region, the scent of Jesus would be prominent. And that because the scent of Jesus is prominent, in Your time and in Your way, the name of Northridge Life Church will remind people 
of the real Jesus. Lord, I ask you to grant this congregation grace to set more and more and more places at the table. Lord, we ask you not so much for those who are willing to go to church somewhere, but for those who are longing to encounter the real Jesus. Please show us how to take you to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.